welcome to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at lifespringchurch.us. St. John chapter 4 and verse 23. St. John 4, 23 and 24. You are probably familiar with this passage of Scripture. It says, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper of the Father, or, yeah, where the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. You can be seated. This morning, how many's ever heard that passage or read that passage of scripture? It sticks out to you, right? It's a familiar verse of scripture to us today. Maybe you'll join me here for just a few minutes, and let's take a deeper dive into what this passage is saying and speaking to us this morning. The word worship. What does what does it mean to be a worshiper or to worship? <clears throat> to worship means. In its very practical definition, it means to literally bow down, to place one's forehead on the ground in reverence to another. It means to lay prostrate or to lay flat on the ground. It gives us a very visual picture of of humility and submission of a person to another person. In this case, it would be our submission to God because we would be worshiping God. Now, I don't know that we all have to come in and, and physically line up across the front and in rows and all physically bow our heads to the ground. Although there may be times where you feel the presence of God so strong that you would want to bow before His presence. We worship God in in many different ways physically. Part of our worship is praise. Praise is the act of worshiping God. We clap our hands, we raise our hands We get a little bit loud and we say praise the Lord or we say other phrases of adoration to God and lifting up his name and who he is. These are acts of praise. David even admonished us that we should dance before the Lord. We should shout before the Lord. The Bible says leap for joy. I guess I've heard that interpreted two different ways. If you've got the joy of the Lord in your heart, then then you could leap for him. Then I've heard other people interpret it that says, if you need the joy of the Lord in your heart, then leap for Him. I guess that covers all of us. There are different ways that we worship God. We are Pentecostal in our experience, and we are demonstrative. We demonstrate our praise and our worship tangibly to those that are around us and even in our own lives. And and there are some who worship God in their own way. These are acts of worship. These are acts of praise and things that we do to Him. And they they are ways that we show ourselves as being physically surrendered and submitted to God. Worship is an act of submission. And while this creates in the physical realm a very vivid image of worship, we must understand that worship isn't just about the physical. It's also about the spiritual and the emotional and the heart. Just as submitted as we would be with clapping our hands or raising our hands 
or it's being demonstrative in worship, so must our heart be surrendered to God in worship. This is what it means to worship God, to be surrendered in our body, soul, and spirit to God. The Bible tells us that a well cannot give forth sweet water and bitter water. You figured it out, right? If you have bitter water mixed in with the sweet water, it all ends up being bitter. It reminds me of if you have an old faucet. You know, you ever seen those old faucets that would be out in the field or next to a well and you had to crank the handle up? Oh, we've got one right over here, actually. To crank the handle up on it. Those things sit for very long. The water that's in the bottom of that spout kind of gets old and rusty and smelly and brown and you open up the faucet and no there's no way for that single faucet to grab fresh water and dirty water and spit them both out at the same time all of the water that comes out to begin with is pretty gross we can't come to God and say I'm submitted to God in my physical worship to God but my heart's not submitted to God and my life isn't submitted to God I'm just going to partially give to him my physical action of praise but my heart's not submitted it doesn't work that way we must have a heart of worship at the same time as we would have a physical act of worship that's because worship is more than just actions worship really is a determining factor of our heart you may have to ask yourself from time to time, is my heart the heart of a cynic? Have I come to church with a critical spirit? There's a difference between critical thinking and a critical spirit. There are some people who are critics. They come to church and they give it three stars today. Oh, last Sunday was five stars. Oh, this Wednesday night was two stars. Oh, that Wednesday night, that was a good lesson. I enjoyed that lesson. That lesson was five stars. And they're critics. They, they're always judging everything about everything. Was the temperature right? Were the lights right? Were the people right? Was the songs right? Was the message right? Were the announcements right? Did anybody have any mistakes? Was there any, anything that happened that was out of order? Was there, and they spent so much energy and time criticizing or being critical that they haven't had a heart of worship. <coughs> they may have clapped their hands they may have raised their hands and worshiped the God but they have a heart that's a critic now we want to do things with excellence and trust me when it doesn't go right I know I get it if you've lived in my house or talked to my family you know I like stuff just right I get it when things don't go right but I've also learned that if it didn't go right, I can't fix it right now, so I might as well just enjoy Jesus. Might as well just enjoy His presence. Might as well just enjoy worshiping and magnifying Him. I can't let it become critical in my heart because then that negative attitude soaks into who we are and our praise and our worship just becomes vanity before God. And the true intent of our heart is negative. Well... They haven't sung my favorite song in four weeks. I don't think I'm going to go this Sunday. They probably won't sing it. That's where it ends up. 
Well, in June, when the temperature was 105 outside, the church was a little bit warm. I don't think I'm going to go in October. It may be too hot. <laughs> oh, pastor stepping out on limbs today. No, worship comes from our heart. We can't have the heart of a critic. Do I have a heart of religion? There are a lot of people that gather on Sunday mornings and do a thing they call worship. But are they worshiping God or are they enjoying the crowd? And I wish we had a crowded crowd crowd today. But we've got several who are sick and it's better that they recover and be healed. We've been passing it around for a few weeks. That's not passing around anymore. But when we're all in here, it's, it gets pretty full in here. And you can get wrapped up and, and built up into the atmosphere of a crowd. You can go to a stadium here in a few Sundays. There will be 65,000 people gathered in that stadium. Different stadiums all across the United States on Sundays. And there is an atmosphere there. It's because of the crowd. It's because of the mob. I know sometimes the word mob mentality has a negative connotation to it, but it's just the idea that the whole crowd gets wrapped up in what's going on, the atmosphere of what's happening. Sometimes church Religious people get caught up in the crowd of what's going on and they're worshiping God because everybody else is worshiping God but come to find out they're not really worshiping God, they're worshiping the atmosphere. They're religious. I do things religiously which means I do them for a spiritual purpose and it's a habit in my life. That's a religious habit. Something I do spiritually. But worshiping God shouldn't just be a religious act. It should come from my heart. It should come from down deep inside of who I am. So in, in the end, I have to be able to, with a clean conscience before God, say, yes, I have a heart of worship. I have a heart that is totally submitted and surrendered to God so that when I walk into a place like this sanctuary, or maybe your prayer closet in your house or anywhere. And you just want to worship God. It's not just a physical act. But it's from the heart. It's a spiritual act from deep inside. So this is what it means to worship God. But this verse says true worshipers are who God desires. A true worshiper... Well, let's break it down. A true or to be true means something that has more than name or resemblance, but is a true nature or is genuine. <coughs> Did you know fakes are easy to find? It doesn't matter how hard someone tries to recreate something, you can normally tell if it's fake. God is not looking for fake worship or the resemblance of worship. God is looking for true worship or can we use the word genuine worship? Real worship. 
Worship that comes from the heart. Now, next is worshiper. This is the other word in the verse that we're going to define today. Excuse me, I do not know where this cough will come from this morning. Worshipper is, and this is the greatest definition you're going to get today. Worshipper is one that worships. It means the same thing in Greek and Hebrew. It's just more of a joke. All right, I took it too far. So we must be the true worshiper that God's looking for. We must be the one that has a heart of worship and will genuinely come before God to exalt Him and to magnify Him and to praise Him. And I think we have that here. I'm just encouraging us, let's take it a little bit deeper. I'm encouraging us today, let's take it a little bit deeper, let's take it a little bit further, let's be a little bit more fervent in our worship. Let's be true worshipers of God. Now, we must be balanced in our worship. He desires people who will worship in spirit and in truth. So let's talk about what this balance is. If you've ever been somewhere where there's worship happening and it's all spirit and there's no truth, it gets kind of odd and out of order. I've been places within driving distance of here, but I'm not going to tell you anymore. Where worship service starts, and I've been in Pentecost my whole life, okay? But I'm starting to look around and I'm like, this is weird. <clears throat> this, this, doesn't, this doesn't pass the Holy Ghost test. This doesn't pass the God test. This feels manufactured. This feels worked up. This feels like it was pushed and prodded and trained and studied. And it's just odd. It's because it's all spirit. It's all zeal and there's no truth involved. There's just a bunch of people wildly worshiping. But there's no truth involved. It actually becomes an environment for deception. Because people have become so emotionally involved in this act of praise and worship that there's no truth involved. So the enemy can use their emotion to then validate what he's, his falsehood that he's telling to them. And they then believe the lie as though it's truth because they've built an emotional response. This is why we must be balanced in our worship. We must worship him fervently, but we must worship him fervently with truth in place. Truth is the reality and the, the um, revelation and understanding of his scripture. If we worship with all spirit and no truth, it erodes biblical doctrine and it loses touch with reality. <coughs> 1 Corinthians 4 and 40 says, let all things be done decently and in order. 
a story was told one time, and I think the story was told of, of an individual who was sincere in, in what they were doing, but old-time Pentecost, they had just finished building a, a sanctuary and a new building, and they were excited about it. <clears throat> and they were having an incredible service, and the Spirit of the Lord was moving, and a convert who was fairly new to church and thought he was going to just kind of do what he saw other people do when they worship God, decided he wanted to take off and run around the church. That's old-style Pentecost. The only problem is he decided he was going to run around the church with his eyes closed because he was worshiping God, right? And he ran smack into the wall and busted a hole in the wall right in the brand-new sanctuary. If you ever feel the need to worship God outside of your pew, feel free to do so with your eyes open. It's not more spiritual if you close your eyes. Yes, it may help you get away from some distractions that are going on around you, but if you decide to move your body at a fast pace, do it with your eyes open. It could save us a hole in the wall and it could save you a concussion. All things should be done decently in order. It's all right to praise God demonstrative. It's all right to be fervent and, and exuberant in your praise to God. But it doesn't have to be wild and crazy. It doesn't have to be out of order. Makes sense, right? We need truth found inside of our... Let me give you a piece of truth, just building off that story. If your eyes are closed, you're going to hit the wall. That's the truth. So add some truth to your spirit of worship. <clears throat> what's the inverse what about people who serve God and they're worshiping God but it's all truth and no spirit all truth and no spirit it becomes a religious ritual they're just worshiping God because of what they know not because of what they've experienced they've not pushed past their head and got it down into their heart yet their worship is just satisfying the level of knowledge that they have. But man, they're missing out on the beauty of having a heart that worships God. And this is the type of worship that leads to dead, dry church. I don't want dead, dry church. I want church that's full of the Spirit of God. I want church that has the water of God, His Spirit flowing through us. I mean, we are called Life Spring Church. We can't be a dead church. We can't. It's impossible. It's against who we are. It's against our name. We are not barren desert church. We are Life Spring Church. And so we must have a move of the Spirit of God when we come together. So we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Here's what 1 Peter 2 and 5 says, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now I will openly admit that I am probably a better teacher than I am evangelistic preacher. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. God didn't call me to be an evangelist. 
I'd have never had a trailer and traveled from church to church to church and preached evangelistically. Sometimes that happens. Most of the time, I'm a preacher, preacher. I teach while I preach. That's just who I am. That's what God's called me to be. That's my role as the pastor here. But that doesn't mean that church has to be dead and dry. <coughs> because God has called us to be lively stones. I've said in Bible classes before, with people giving very much monotone lecture, and immediately you're like, Ugh. But the topic is intriguing and the subject that we're talking about pulls at you and calls at you. And you're there for a purpose. And the Spirit of God move into a monotone lecture. I don't want to get there. But I want God's Spirit to have free course to just sweep into this sanctuary whenever he wants, however he wants, at whatever time that he wants. If we sung the first song and we're through the halfway through the first verse and God wants to show up, bam, let God show up. If we're on the third song and the last time going through the chorus and God wants to show up, bam, let God show up. If it's first Sunday and we're showing a missionary video and you feel the moving of God, let God do what God wants to do. If we're in the middle of the preaching and you feel like I need to get to the altar, run down here to this altar. My notes don't have to be finished. Because we need a moving of God's spirit. <coughs> I think I mentioned it last Sunday or the Sunday before that Springfield is one of the most churched communities in America. That means if you want a good sermon, you can find one on any given Sunday. If you want to go into an atmosphere that is built up around religious or Christian ideas, you can find one. But I want to challenge you today. There's something different that we have to offer at Live Spring Church. We have a moving of God's spirit that's deeper than just the facade. It's deeper than just the reproduction of religion. You see, what we come to do on Sundays, we call it a church service. But it really is, first and foremost, a spiritual occurrence. Because I don't come simply to have church. I come for a spiritual reason. I come so that my soul can be fed. I come so that my soul can be, which is thirsty and hungry for God, can be filled full and overflowing. Maybe we mislead ourselves when we call it a church service. Now, there's a reason why we advertise on the front door and on our website and Facebook. We call it Sunday worship service. Because it's more than just a church gathering. It's more than <coughs> it's more than entertaining singing and a public speech. This is a spiritual meeting. It's a spiritual purpose. It's a holy convocation. 
we could use those words today. This is where spiritual people gather in a spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifice to the one true God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a spiritual purpose, just as Peter called out to us in 1 Peter 2, 5. Ye are lively stones, are built up a spiritual house. We've gathered together into a spiritual place. This is the house of God. Yes, it has chairs. Yes, it has carpet. Yes, there are lights. Yes, there's musical instruments. Yes, there's things to facilitate a church service. But I didn't come here just to have a gathering of the church. I came here so that the church could be spiritually impacted by God. And so we come to worship Him in spirit. And we come as people who offer up a spiritual sacrifice. Do you know what your spiritual sacrifice is? The fruit of your lips. The Bible tells us that we should offer up to him a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips. It's a spiritual sacrifice. You don't have to bring a sheep or a bullock or turtle doves to offer a spiritual sacrifice. You just have to open your mouth and say words of adoration and praise and love to Almighty God, and you are offering to Him a spiritual sacrifice. And let it not just be from your lips, but let your lips reproduce what's in your heart and give that to God, and then it becomes true worship to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We come to a spiritual place to offer a spiritual sacrifice in a spiritual house to a spiritual God. If you're looking for spirituality, i got a place for you. LifeSpring Church. If you're looking for a religious atmosphere, you may find something similar to that at LifeSpring Church, but we're more than that. We're deeper than that. Amen? Amen. Making sure you guys are still out there. Truth. We must worship truth. Truth is this understanding of Scripture. It comes by the study of Scripture. It comes by the revelation of God's Spirit into what His Word means to us. Here are the things that God has revealed to us through His Scripture, through His Word. He's revealed to us that Jesus is Messiah. That's powerful. Peter was with Jesus when Jesus asked the question, Who do men say that I am? And Peter's response was, Thou art the Christ. You are Messiah. You are our Savior. You are the one who come to redeem us. He had a revelation in that moment that Jesus, whom he was talking to, was the Hebrew, from the Hebrew word described as Elohim or Yahweh of the Old Testament. He had come and manifested himself as flesh as Jesus Christ, who we know in the New Testament. He is the one true God here, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. That one Lord and God come to earth, manifested himself in flesh, lived among us, and died among us. As Colossians 2 it tells us that he is the expressed image of God. He has all the power of the Godhead given to him. 
This is an incredible revelation. This is an incredible understanding of who God is. This is truth. Another part of truth is that salvation is made available to us by grace. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we couldn't be saved. We wouldn't even have the option to be saved. If it wasn't for the grace of God, the only option would be, well, it's like taking a test. And the first question says, would you like to be saved? Multiple choice. And the answer is A, judgment. Only answer, no grace. What a ripoff. But because of grace, the test has been changed. The question is, would you like to be saved? Question mark. And the multiple choice is, A, grace says you can be saved. B, reject grace, choose judgment. I choose to be saved by the grace of God. I choose to walk in the favor of God. Because of His grace, His salvation can be extended to us. His grace gives us the opportunity to walk into His presence. Because nobody can enter the presence of God from the perspective of their sin. Sin cannot enter into the presence of God. But because God extends grace to us in our sinful nature, we can come to God and we can experience salvation. What is that salvation? It's the good news. It's the gospel message of Jesus Christ. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is truth. Because of grace, I can bow my knee and pray a prayer of repentance to a God that will hear me pray in my sinful state. That's what grace does. Grace connects the phone line between a sinner and God. And I can pray the prayer of repentance. I can die out to my old life and my old habits and my old hurts and my old hang-ups. And I can sign up for Celebrate recovery and continue to work on that process. But at the altar, I make a commitment. All right, God, I'm not going to walk towards all these hurts and hang-ups and darkness in my life. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to walk towards the light of Jesus Christ. Amen? We get buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of our sins in the name of Jesus Christ. It's by His name that our sins are remitted. It's by the power of the name of Jesus Christ. We are buried as Christ was buried in the ground. We are buried in the water. And as he came out of the ground, aren't you thankful the pastor lifts you back up out of the water? Praise God. We rise again in a newness of life. And we become infilled, empowered by the spirit of the Holy Ghost living inside of us. To live an overcoming and abundant life in Christ Jesus. These are the foundational truths through which we can worship. We must worship on these truths. And I think we get it. We talk about these things nearly every Sunday. And we've been talking about their typologies and all this through the Old Testament on Wednesdays. We've, we've done a firm job in, in planting and establishing these truths. Spirit, what does it mean to worship God in spirit? Well, to worship God in spirit is an emotional experience. And maybe that's different for some people at church. 
There's some churches that don't really promote emotion in their form of worship or their spiritual experiences. They're very truth-oriented. They're very word-oriented. But we want to worship God in balance. We want to worship in balance of spirit and in truth. Worshiping in spirit, worshiping in spirit means it goes beyond just our head and it soaks down into our heart. Sometimes people get, I don't know the right word here, tangled up, tied up, locked up because of past mistakes and failures, and they can't experience emotionally now what God wants them to experience because they're trapped in the past emotion of shame and guilt and fault. I want to challenge you. When you come into the house of God, pray a prayer of repentance and let the past be the past. The blood of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to forgive all of your sin. The blood of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to cleanse you from all ungodliness. Let it be the past. Paul said that he would die daily. I think that was him saying, you know what? Yesterday I lived it. I did it. I can't go back and change it. It's over with. Close that door. I'm going to serve God today. That's part of dying daily. I got an idea. Let's quit dragging around a wagon of skeletons. And let's just let go of it and live today for God with every ounce of strength that I have today. Let me emotionally experience God today in the fullness of what He wants me to have versus living through the past of my shame and my guilt and my hurt and my heartache and my disappointment. I want to serve God with every ounce of emotion that I can today. Not just emotion, but with truth and emotion. Sometimes people use the environment around them as a crutch, crutch for their flesh. And they say, well, I can't worship God because of this environment. I guess I have to challenge that way of thinking. I have to challenge that thinking with a Bible story. There was two men, as soon as I say their names, you're going to know where I'm going, Paul and Silas. And if they would have related their worship based upon their environment, they never would have sang praises and praised God and prayed at the midnight hour. Paul and Silas had been beaten. Paul and Silas were in bonds. Paul and Silas were thrown into the inner prison. And Paul and Silas had judgment passed upon them because they were doing God's work. They were emotionally beat up. They were physically beat up. They were spiritually beat up. Why am I even serving God? I'm doing the work of God and I end up in jail, beat up, in here with all of these vile criminals. That's probably where we would have ended up, right? No, 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 no. That's not where we're going. 
That's not where our mind's going. That's not where our spirit's going. Something happened inside of Paul and Silas. Even though they had bruises, even though their feet were stuck in bonds, even though the people around them were vile and criminals, even though their purpose seemed like it's being questioned in the moment, they decided that they were going to serve God. They were going to praise God anyway. Our environment does not dictate whether we worship God in spirit or in truth. Matter of fact, our environment really has no play on it. It only matters if we want it to matter. And we can make the decision, I'm going to worship God right here, right now, no matter what. It may have been the most brutal week of my life. I may have been beat up this week. I may have been let down this week. I may have been disappointed this week. But I'm going to serve God anyway. I'm going to worship Him with all of my strength and all of my emotion. I'm going to give my very best to Him. Sometimes I think we all sometimes find more reasons not to than we find reasons to. Has anybody ever been guilty of the, well, I can't because of syndrome? What would happen if we changed it to the, well, I can because of syndrome? Thinking about this reminds me of a video that was on the internet a few years ago from North America Youth Congress. It was a video that was taken way up in the stadium. This is several years ago when North American Youth Congress was in Indianapolis. It was at the Colts Stadium, Lucas Stadium. It was packed all the way to the top with apostolic young people worshiping and praising God and all of their chaperones and some of their pastors and leaders. And there was a video taken I don't know, I don't know that stadium very well, but two or three tiers up. It was from the back. And there was an elderly gentleman that had somehow gotten up there in his seats. And the kids around him were all jumping and leaping and shouting and doing their deal. Sister Beverly, can I borrow your walker for just a second? I got to get it up here so people can see me. This elderly gentleman, you could tell years had worn on him, age had worn on him. I should have grabbed the video. He's gotten himself up. He's gotten in the aisle. He's worked his way all the way down to the railing on his level of the stadium. And here's what he's doing. He was, his feet didn't leave the ground, but I want to tell you something. His heart was in worship in that moment. He didn't let his environment, he didn't let his circumstance, he didn't let anything that was around him stop him from worshiping God. He decided God's presence is here and I want to be a part of it. I'm so hungry for the presence of God, I'm going to worship him. I'm going to put everything I have into worshiping God. I wonder if there's somebody here this morning, maybe you'll stand with me here for just a minute and will you lift your hands.
Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.